All right, well, good morning. Come on, who's excited to be here this morning? Make a little bit of noise, excited to be here. It is so good to see you guys. I wanna welcome you. Thank you so much for coming out and hanging out with us today, whether you're right here in our Moorhead campus or our Ashland campus or our Grayson campus. That's right, we are one church in three physical locations. And we also wanna welcome everybody watching online as well. And before we jump into this part five of this series, uh, last week we, we asked everyone to, to participate in a survey. And so if you did that last week or you did that online, you watched that, that's awesome. If you got the email, if you did not, I want you to do me a favor. If you'll grab your phone, we, this is so important to us that we wanna make sure we take time right here in this message part to do this. But if you grab your phone and if you didn't, if you already done this, that's fine. If not, it takes about 60 seconds. But there's a QR code in front of you. And if you don't know what that means, it's okay. Ask the middle schooler, they'll help you figure that out later. But we have a phone number that you could text Better Life KY to. And the phone number is, that should be on the screen. It is coming up, is it not? If it ain't, I'll give it to you right here. It is 606-603-3256. One more time, that is 606-603-3256. And if you'll text Better Life KY to that number, this is a quick survey for everyone who is 18 and older as we talk about relationships. And it just wants to help us get a gauge. It's, it's anonymous, we don't know who you are, we're not tracking you down, we don't, we're not like Alexa and Google, we know everything you do, okay, we're not that. We, we just wanna, we really wanna look at the relationships in our, in our church family and figure out how can we better serve you as your, as your staff, as your church, as your spiritual family and, and help you in uh, all of our relationships. So dating or dating again or married or married again, we wanna be able to help you. So if you would please fill out that at all of our campuses, our location, or if you're watching online, it will be in the chat. If you'll just text that, we would love to hear from you. Okay, if you have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, we've been in this series for a while and Man, I've been getting some great feedback, and the feedback has been like, dude, this is too hard. Like, I just don't know. <laughs> like, like, man, and, and somebody comes to me and says, man, this is tough stuff. I said, man, it gets worse. Keep coming back, you know? And you did, and you're here, so it's so good uh, for you to be here. But if you really just hang tight, and you walk through this passage with us, and you really see the heart of what Jesus is trying to get to, it's really beautiful, and it's really freeing. When it comes to striving to, to become who he wants us to become or do what he wants us to do or bless who he wants us to bless. And so we're gonna recap this real quick, walk through this passage, and then today, uh, today some good news uh, from last week. We're gonna say finally, somebody said finally some good news. Yeah. Like this has been, if you're just hanging out, this is your first time here, you, you'll, you'll get a recap here and you'll, you'll understand what we're talking about. And so today we're gonna look at what do we do with what the Lord has given us. And so in Luke chapter 14, Jesus makes this statement. A large crowd was following Jesus. There's always a large crowd usually around Jesus. In the crowd was people who were skeptic, people who didn't believe in him, people who were in it just because God healed them and blessed them, people who were there uh, were fake. There are fake Christians, you know that? The Bible says there are fake Christians. They look like Christians, not like Christians, but their hearts are far from God. That's why the Bible says examine your heart to make sure you're in the faith. And then there were a few committed people to follow him. So he turns to this crowd just like us today, no matter where you come from, maybe you're here today and you have questions, maybe you're skeptical, maybe you're just checking this God thing out, maybe you're committed, maybe you're fake and you really need to examine your heart. He turns to the crowd and he says this. He said, if any of you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Now, the New Living Translation I'm using goes says, interpret that. Your translation probably says, you must hate your family. Now, wait a second. If you're, in the, if you're sitting there like, how do you hate your family? The Ten Commandments says you should honor your God and honor your mother and your father. Now you tell us to hate our family, but he says like in comparison, that your love for me should be so supreme 
that in comparison to everybody else, it almost looks like you would hate them. So he's not saying you hate them. He says you should love less them, that you should love me more. He said you must hate everyone, including your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, and yes, even your own life, or otherwise you cannot be my disciple. And then he says a statement that you probably heard before if you've been in church, and if you don't carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Now, the cross does not mean burdens. You know, sometimes you hear people write, Pastor, I'm just carrying my cross right now. You know, my marriage is tough. It's just a burden I gotta bear. I'm just praying for my husband or whatever it may be. The cross never meant burdens. The cross meant death. It means to die. It means to die to yourself. And so Jesus is saying this. If you wanna be my disciple, you have to die to every selfish desire you have. And guess what? We're all selfish. We want what we want, when we want, how we want it, every single one of us, including me. We're all selfish. So we have to learn how to die to ourselves every single day, that it's not about me. And we've came out of the mom's womb being selfish, man. Listen, we came out, like everything was mine. Hey, could you share that with your sister? No, why? It's mine, it's mine. It's, I bought that for you, it's still mine. I don't care who's it, right? Like, we, we, we're, we're, sin has warped us. Every one of us has been affected by it. But Jesus says, if you really wanna be my disciple, you must carry your own cross and die to yourself. He says that you must sacrifice, you must die to yourself. Then he says this, but don't begin until you count the cost. Don't begin to follow me. You really wanna be my disciple? Ah, you might wanna sit down and run the numbers on this. You might wanna sit down and really weigh out the cost. He said, for who begins the construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. And they would say, there's the person who started the building and could not afford to finish. The person was ridiculed and made fun of. Jesus said, listen, if you're gonna follow me, boy, it's gonna cost you. That's right, you have to love me supremely, you have to die, die, you have to, die to all your selfish wants. Watch this, you have to die to your dreams, you have to die to your plans, you're gonna have to die to your ways. But watch this, if you'll die to yourself, you'll be raised with me, which means this, you'll have resurrected dreams, you have resurrected purpose, and you'll have resurrection plans, which are far greater than anything you can plan for your entire life. The Bible says that man makes their plans, but God will direct their steps. So we have to die to ourselves, trust him, and count the cost. And then he says this, this parable. He says, what king goes to war with another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss his army of 10,000 who could defeat 20,000 soldiers marching against him? So this is a picture of a king in the war, war room, and he puts all the generals around and says, listen, guys, what are we gonna do? We got 10,000 troops, they've got 20,000. Here's the outcomes. We can fight to the death, we're gonna lose. And they're gonna kill all of our women and children, all of our livestock, and take everything we've worked our entire lives for. Who wants to do that? Raise your hand. Or, this is a war we cannot win, let's send a delegate out, let's ask for peace, and here's what happens. We will come under their rule, their reign, but watch this, we get to keep our, our, our houses, we live in our houses, they'll all be deeded to them, all the assets we have will belong to the new king, but at least we get to live here. He says this in, in, in 23, he says, and if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss the terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. What is he saying? You have a king in a kingdom who's coming against your king in your kingdom. The reality is everyone wants to be their own king. If you peel back your layer of your heart, who sits on your throne? Me. I do. I want what I want when I want. I want to run my life how I want. I want to run my relationships. I want to run my finances. I want to run my business. I'm going to run everything. It's about me. I'm going to do what I think is best for me. And Jesus is like, wait, wait, there's a new king in town, and you can't win this battle. You could try, you could try, but my kingdom and me are more powerful than you. So watch this, why don't you go ahead and surrender it all to me? 
Once you go in and submit your entire kingdom to me, because here's the reality for most people who claim to be Christians. They want the kingdom, but they don't want the king. They want the benefits, they want heaven, they don't wanna go to hell, but I don't want the king to tell me how to run my life, my relationships, my dating relationships, my purity, where I go to school, what I do for my life, how do, what I'll do with my money, where I live, what I build, where I go. I don't want, no, I don't want God telling me how to do that stuff. Just get me out of hell, go to heaven. I want the kingdom, but I don't want no king. That's the majority of believers. And so Jesus said, wait, this kingdom is already coming against you. You might as well go ahead and surrender. And then he makes this incredible statement. So, so means, since everything I just said, you gotta die to yourself, love me supremely, surrender, count the cost. Look what he says. So you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own, which literally, literally says, you cannot be my disciple without renouncing all your possessions. And that was a hard word last week. Because you think everything you have is yours. You mean I gotta give away all my possessions? He didn't say that. He didn't say give it all away. He said you gotta give it all up. That word renounce, is, is, it literally means to say goodbye to. You gotta kiss your possessions goodbye emotionally, detach from them emotionally, or you cannot be my disciple. And that's gonna be very difficult. Because we went and we looked at a passage last week that says you cannot serve two masters, which means this, you can't serve God and possessions, God and riches and God and wealth. Because wealth is a horrible master, but it can become a great servant if you know how to master it. And so you have to watch this, say goodbye to all your possessions and watch this, or you, or you cannot be enslaved to money and call God your master. And we walked through this last week and every one of us said, ouch. If you missed last week, man, you missed a good one. I wouldn't go watch it because it's really gonna be convicting because it, it affects every single one of us because we don't wanna say goodbye to our possessions. And we talked about we're not enslaved and most of us said, I'm not enslaved to money, I'm not enslaved. And so I walked through a bunch of things and said, well, if you focus on earthly things, you're enslaved to money. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're enslaved to money. If you dream about and long about being rich, you're enslaved to money. If you try shortcuts to get money and, and, and get rich quick things like lottery or gambling, you are enslaved to money. If you talk about other people's money financial situations, going, I can't believe they bought that. I can't believe they had that. How do they afford it? I know what they do for a living. If that is you, you are enslaved to money. If you're not generous, you're enslaved to money. If you're not tithing, you're enslaved to money. We went through all these things and all of us sit here and every one of us, because I'm preaching to myself, went, oh my goodness, I'm enslaved to money. Don't want to be, don't intend it to be. I mean, none of us wakes up every day going, I want to be a slave to possessions. None of us do that. And there's nothing wrong with having possessions. The problem is when the possessions have you. That's why you have to emotionally detach. I don't find my worth or my security or my foundation or anything in the stuff that I have because it's here today and gone tomorrow. So what do you do? So how, how, what do you do then? How do, you, how do you deal with this? If the question is I have to give it all up, but watch this, I still have it in my hands. What do I do? How do I win with it? How do I master my master's possessions? If his kingdom overtook my kingdom and everything I have is him, all my assets are him, now he took completely over my kingdom, what do I do? 
if it's still in my hands or if it's still in my pockets. Because the Bible tells us in Psalms 24, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and the, watch this, the world and all of its people belong to him. Now listen to me. Some of you, for the very first time today, you're gonna say, I've never heard this before. Some of you are gonna say, I know this, and you're gonna make excuses for it. And you all have excuses, we all have our excuses. And so when you leave here today, you're gonna have to make a decision. Am I gonna be a good manager of my master's possession? Because, right, I surrender my kingdom, I die to myself, everything I have belongs to him, so now I have to make a decision. Am I gonna be a good manager and steward or not? Because the reality is, watch this, all your possession, God wants you to manage it because it's his. So if you have a bank account and you've been to the bank before, you go to the bank or you have an automatic deposit, you deposit your check into that bank account. Now what do you just do? You entrusted that bank to be your manager for you. I want you to hold on to my money until I'm ready to direct it, use it, do whatever I want to. Some of you say, you know, I wanna take $100 out of that paycheck every week and I'm gonna put over here in a Roth IRA with the bank or a traditional IRA or investment account. And so now I'm gonna look at the bank and say, here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want my portfolio diversified so I want you to manage my money for me and you better do a good job because if you don't, I'm moving to another location. So if you have a pension, a retirement account, whatever it may be, someone is managing your funds for you. Are they doing a good job or not? Most of you don't even check in to know what's going on with it. So now you've turned over your possessions, your stuff, to someone to manage it for you. In the same way, God says, everything you have is mine, and I want you to be a manager for me. So if I tell you to give it, you give it. If I tell you to do something with it, you do If I tell you to save it, save it. Whatever I tell you to do with my stuff, that's what I want you to do. That's why he says you must be able to kiss it all goodbye emotionally and renounce it because it belongs to me. So what do you do? What do you do with what that you have? Here's the first thing before we jump into some practical advice because I'm gonna give you some really practical steps that my wife and I have been doing for the last 22 years and I'm gonna tell you how to do this. I'm gonna show you that this is not what Daniel has made up. This is not what a church has made up. This is what God's word. So if you disagree, you have to disagree. You have to, you have to go take that to the Lord and wrestle with him about this. The first thing that you must do really at the end of the day, what we have to see here, is God expects you to provide for your family. He expects you, watch this, to work for what you have. The Bible's very, very harsh against lazy people. Very harsh against lazy people. The Bible expects that if you're able to and you have the strength to, you should toil and work for a living to provide for your family. In fact, the Apostle Paul told a young preacher, Timothy, that listen, tell the people, if they don't provide for their family and their own household, they're worse than an unbeliever. So here's what I know, part of having possessions and gaining things is to make sure that I'm taking care of and providing for my family. That's number one, are you providing for your family? So it means that God expects you to work. He expects you to work and earn the things for your possession. Now, I can't earn my salvation. I can't even buy my salvation. I can give it all away and still go to hell. So I can't earn that. It didn't cost me anything. It was free to give my life to Jesus, but it cost him everything, his own life. Everything costs something. Every decision you make costs something. Every decision you make today about whether you're gonna apply this or not will cost you. You have to determine what's gonna be the cost. Is it worth the cost? So he expects you to provide for your family. In fact, Proverbs 13, 22 says this, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So God said, listen, someone who wins with their, my possessions and my money and my stuff, they've done so well of managing it, watch this, 
they have something not only to give to their children, but they give to their grandchildren. A righteous, godly, good person leaves an inheritance not only for their children, but they have enough for their grandchildren. Can that be said about you? Can that be said about me? So here's what I know. If it's all him and it's in my possession, what does he want me to do with it? How do I win with it? And I'm gonna walk you through exactly what the scripture says. The Bible is full of ways how to win with your money. Listen, you don't have to stay living paycheck to paycheck for the rest of your life. There's a way that you can work through that, no matter who you are. You don't have to say, I'm always broke. That's a mindset. In fact, if you tell people you're broke and you're really not broke, that's because you're enslaved to money. So what do you do? How do you fix this? So what's the practical tips? Well, here's the first one. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want you to, everybody say, bring it. Say, bring it. Bring it. Oh, you, you said that really, bring it. Oh, gosh, bring it, whatever that means. Like, come on, man. Like, this is fun. This is good stuff. Listen, this is encouraging. What I love about, what I love about our church so much and what we do, listen, yeah, you may come in here and your toes may get stepped on and you may feel convicted, but we're not, God's not gonna leave you there. We're gonna give you practical steps. Watch this, how to like, put your faith and trust in Jesus, and it's all because of Jesus that you're even able to do this. It's all because of him that we're able to live like this. So the first thing we gotta do when we go and work and the Bible expects us to work and not be lazy, when you go and work and when you begin to make something, the Bible expects you to bring it. Now what does that look like? What does that mean? Well look what the scripture says. Because a lot of people have this misunderstanding about this. Malachi chapter three. Should people cheat God? And the answer would be no. And you would say no. Nobody should cheat God. But then God says, but you've cheated me. Well, wait, 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 God, wait, wait. How have I cheated you? How have I robbed you, your translation may say. You ask me, what do you mean? We've, when did we ever cheat you? When did we ever rob you? And he says, you've cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. Why? Watch this. Because it is his. See, this is the mindset. You just gotta understand. Everything I have is his. Watch this. Now, watch what he says in verse nine. This, most people don't wanna read this part. You are under a curse. What kind of voodoo stuff is this, man? This is, what do you mean? What do you mean? I don't feel like I'm under a curse. What are we talking about? You are under a curse for the whole nation has been cheating, has been robbing me. So here's how you fix it. You wanna break the curse? You wanna fix this in your life? Look what he says in verse 10, bring. Not give, not designate, bring it. Bring what? Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food for my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heavens, then here's the condition. I will open up the windows of heavens for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't even have enough room to try to take it in. Try me, put me to the test. It's the only place in the Bible where God says test me. The only place. You should not test the Lord your God. The scriptures all through that, but it's the only place God says test me in this. And watch this, your crops will be abundant and I will guard them. I will guard them. I will break the curse on everything else and I will hold back the insects. I will hold back the locusts and all your produce will be protected. Now, most of us, some of us, you're farmers and you raise your own produce, you would get this. Most of you were not. He says, if you wanna break the curse financially in your life, you have to trust me as your king, you have to trust me as your savior, and you must bring it to me. And this right here 
has caused so much problems in the vision. And here's what happens. People say, well, that church, they're all about your money. If you say that, you are enslaved to money, honey. And I meant to rhyme on that one. That church up there, they should take all that money and give it to the poor. The last person who did that didn't end up well with them. His name was Judas. Because that's exactly what he told Jesus. And he sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. This is where you have a problem. Why do you struggle with that? Why do you? Examine your heart, like right now, like everyone, at Oliver, Ashland, Grayson, why do you struggle with that? It's not right, it's not fair. You don't know how much, I don't make enough to give 10%. 10%, why 10? Why couldn't it be like three? Why couldn't it be like just one? Why couldn't it have been 90? See, when you understand 10 all through the scripture, 10, the number 10 just means testing. God sent 10 commandments to do what? To test. God sent 10 plagues to Pharaoh to test. 10 just means testing. And here's what God says. I'm gonna test you every single time you make something to see if you trust me that I am the king of your life. Do you trust me? It's a test. And the majority of people fail the test because you don't trust him. Well, well, no, it's, this ain't a budget issue. This ain't a broke issue. This ain't, you know what the wealthy says? I can't tithe, I pay too much in taxes. You kidding me? Sheesh. Well, guess what? They're gonna keep going up. They have to. So wealthy people make excuses. I can't do it because I, I pay too much in taxes. Broke or, 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 or middle class or um, I can't do that. I can't afford that. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. That's why you're living paycheck to paycheck. And so this is not complicated. But you, this, watch this. This ain't between me and you and me, man. We can go play golf. We can drink a cup of coffee. This has nothing to do between me and you. This is between you and the Lord. Why don't you trust him? I wanna be a disciple. Do you really? I wanna count the cost and follow Jesus wherever he goes. Then bring to me what's mine. Oh, I don't know about that. Why is this so difficult for us? Because we're enslaved to it. And this breaks the curse. Now watch this, most people don't read this. God says, if you do this, here's the, if, it's a condition, I will bless you and I will hold back the devourer from taking anything else away from you. And some of you still have to think about it. Had a guy coming to me one time, the preacher, this big dude, I'm looking up at him. He said, you told me if I tithe, God's gonna bless me. Where's my blessing? Now, he didn't say it like that, but that's just how I hear it in my head, how he said it in my head. I said, should I tell him the truth? I said, yeah, I tell him the truth, tell him the truth. Where's my blessing? I've been tithing for three months and God has not blessed me. Now, I looked up at him, I said, and he's not going to. And he, he took him by surprise, he said, but you said. I said, that's the problem, bro. If you give to get, your motive is impure and he will not bless you. And anybody who stands up and tells you to sow a seed so that you could be blessed, they're telling you with the wrong motive and the wrong reason. You should never give to get. Because the problem is he was seeking the blessing but not the blesser.
And when you seek the blesser, he'll bless you. But if you say, okay, okay, preacher, you said tithe, I'll start tithing, and I expect to be blessed. It's all about a heart issue. This ain't a budget issue. This ain't a broke issue. This ain't that you make too much money and pay too much tax issue. People say, well, should you tithe on the gross or the net? Do you wanna be blessed on your gross or your net? The scripture says, when I look at it, you bring up Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with the wealth of the first fruits of all. Everybody say all. All your crops. The last 22 years, my wife and I, we've been given 10% of our gross income, including my benefits. Say, the Lord provided for me through those. Taxable or not taxable. It's a benefit to me. It's a blessing to me. We started the church. We decided to give a 5% offering on top of that. I tell you that, not to say, well, where'd it go, preacher? Yeah, no, I tell you that, say, I practice what I'm preaching. And over two plus decades, this principle with pure hearts and pure motives will break the curse from you from being enslaved to your possessions, thinking you've gotta have it and you find your security and all your stuff because in one nanosecond, everything you have can be gone. Everything. And there's a difference between a tithe and an offering. An offering is anything above the tithe. The tithe belongs to us. Some people, well, I'm gonna designate the tithe. I'm gonna give this to this parachurch organization. I'm gonna give part of my tithe to this organization. I'm gonna give a part of the tithe to my church and I'm gonna give a part of the tithe to this. No, 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 no. It doesn't belong to you. You don't designate something that doesn't belong to you. Man, that's tough. But I'm telling you what. You ask anybody who tithes and trusts the Lord and ask them how they're doing their life, here's what they say. Man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Ask any of them, anybody. I'm blessed. And here's the reality. Is he your king or not? Is he your Lord or not? This is what, between you and the Lord, you have to, and you have to, you have to filter through every excuse you make why you can't do it and say, well, I just, I just, I just, I just, I just don't believe in that. Take it up with the Lord. I pay too much taxes. Then go get a job we don't pay a lot of taxes. Take a pay cut. I'd rather have a pay cut and honor God and trust God than believe in myself and pay a lot of taxes. I never heard that one before. How bad do you wanna follow Jesus? How bad do you really wanna be a disciple? You better count the cost. And I'm telling you what, if you'll practice these principles, I'm telling you what, you will see God do amazing things in your life. I don't know how he'll bless you, so either God's a liar or he's telling the truth. Is he a liar or not? Or he's telling the truth. Okay, now for the good stuff. For some, oh gosh, can we move on past that? All right, this, this, watch this now, watch this. But it's not just about giving. And I'm not saying it because we're not meeting budget or that we need your money. I don't need your money. Church don't need your money. God don't need your money. He wants your heart. And if he has your heart, man, he can use you greatly, no matter how poor, impoverished, or wealthy you may become. But don't impress God. He owns it all. It's all his anyway. So then here's the second thing. Now watch this. If you want to master your master's possessions, you first bring to him what he says is his. And then on top of that, watch this, you direct it. This is the second thing you do. That's what a manager do. You get to direct it. 
You get to help it. You get to do things with it. I love this, Proverbs 27, look what it says. It says, know the state of your flocks. Put your heart into caring for the herds, for riches don't last forever, and the crown might not be passed on to the next generation. Look what he says. Know the state of your flocks. Most of you have no idea your financial state. Just being honest and real, most people do not understand their financial situation. As long as they maintain a certain amount of money in their checking account, they think they're okay. As long as they can make the minimum payment, they think they're okay. As long as it fluctuates just a few hundred and I can stay about right here, we're okay. Like, do you know what your net worth is? Do you know what your expenses are every month and what income you have coming in a month? Do you know that? Do you know how much debt you owe? Do you know how much life insurance policies you have? Do you know your disability insurance policy? Do you know all this? Do you have access to it and you can have it quickly help someone if something, somebody in emergency, they need to have access to it? Do you know this stuff? Do you have a financial plan? Do you have a will? Uh, no. Most of us don't know the state of our flocks. That's the first place, is I gotta understand what I have, what, what's in my hands, what do I need, and now I know how to direct it. I love what Proverbs 21, five says, good planning and hard work leads to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So if I'm gonna direct it, guess what I gotta do? I gotta get on a, a budget, and for some of you think that's a cuss word. I know, I know you think that's a cuss word. Like, oh gosh, not restrictions, a budget. It's like, that really, listen, you got to learn this. Because some of you, listen, some hardship happened in your life and it's not your fault. It just happened to you and medical bills piled up and he walked out on you and the business partner went south and you got stuck. And there's, there's some really tough stuff. I'm not, I'm not making a lot of that. There's some tough things happening in your life. But the reality is, God knew that. He didn't cause it, but he allowed it. But he says, do you trust me as your king to get you through it? Because I can get you through it. So what are you gonna do? You gotta direct it. So once I bring to God what's his, here's what you need to do next. You need to save it. You need to start saving it. Save your money. Save it. Now, that's up to you on how much you think you should save. That's, that's a personal preference. I mean, some people say save 10%, some say 15%. What, that's, uh, that's between you and how you wanna figure out your own income, but you need to save it. Listen to what Proverbs 6 says. Take lessons from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways because they're wise. Though they have no prince, no governor, no ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. He says you can learn from ants. Even ants know they should store up. Isn't that crazy? They have no one tell them what to do. They have no governor, no rule, and they know what to do. And the same way learn from them, you need to save up for the rainy day. You need to save up if something happens, if the car breaks down, if something happens at home. You need to save up. So you need to have some savings. So you need to learn to save it. Here's the second thing, you need to invest it. You need to invest it. So I just lost some of you right there, like what? No, listen, you need to invest it. And listen to me, we have coaches here who will help you completely free, help you do these things. Like, we, listen, they're here to help you, to learn how to win, help you invest it. Don't invest in liabilities, invest in assets. Do you know the difference? Asset puts money in your pocket, liabilities takes money out of your pocket. Your jet ski, your boat, your motorhome, all that takes money out of your pocket. It's not an asset, you think it is. That's the problem with middle class. They buy liabilities, think they're assets. My razor, your razor, <laughs> it's not an asset, it's a liability. Some of you don't know what a razor, I'm not talking about a shaving razor either. They're about 25 grand, no, I'm talking about. And that's okay if you can afford it, because there's nothing wrong with having stuff. There's nothing wrong with having fun with the stuff you have, if you can afford it. But are you bringing it, are you robbing God to get that? 
I think I'd sell it. See the difference? Well, I can't because I've got all these liabilities I gotta pay for, so God, I'm gonna keep robbing you until, ooh, I think I'd be amputating some of these things because I'm not gonna cheat him. And so I'm going to invest it. And we could talk all day about investment. And when's the best day to invest? 25 years ago, when's the next best day? Today, start today. I love what the Bible says in Proverbs 13. The Bible's full of how to win with your money. Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little, just little by little, watch this, makes it grow. Albert Einstein said, Albert Einstein said the most powerful thing in the whole world he's ever come across was compound interest. Little by little, just let it grow. You can start that right now. 50 bucks a week, a month, $25 a month, $100 a month. Find it, invest it, and if you need help, we can help you point you some directions where you, could, you can make that happen. Don't need to jump into it. Most of you understand that, but you need to save it, you need to invest it, but watch this, you need to repay it. You got a director, right? You need to repay it. Proverbs 20, 22, seven says, the borrower is slave to the lender. I will go on and say, your credit card debt is the most expensive loan you'll ever have. Pretty close to it. And so the Bible, the Bible doesn't say it's a sin to borrow money. It's a sin not to repay it. So you need to repay it. If you owe it, repay it. Get on it, and there's all kinds of ways to snowball it. You know how it goes, pay down debt, pay down debt. Listen, we have coaches here who will help you do this, help you win with this if you choose to do it. But you need to repay it. The Bible says the borrower is slave to the lender, so what? Get out of slave, pay it back. However you can pay it back. And then share it. If you have any leftovers, share it. And I will tell you this, from my own personal experience, for the last 22 years of my life, if you bring it and you direct it by saving it, investing it, repaying it, you will have enough leftover, enough leftover to share it. For the last 22 years, my wife and I both can testify you'll have enough to share it. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, and God will generously provide all you need and then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share it with others. If you just trust me and let me be the king of your life, let me tell you how to operate my stuff because it's all mine anyway, you'll win with it. And then lastly, enjoy it. <laughs> I can hear somebody right now going, man, if I do all that, I ain't got nothing to enjoy, right? I ain't got nothing left over. Yeah, you will. Enjoy it. That's part of your budget. That's part of your savings, right? I said, save it. You know what? This is a date night, me and my wife. This is a fun time for me and my kids. Save it. Not to hoard it. I'm not talking about hoarding. I'm about save it. Budget it. Do we want to go somewhere nice and eat? Go somewhere nice and eat. Enjoy it. Hey, we want to save up for that new sofa. Save up for the new sofa. Hey, we want to save up for, for the razor. Save up for the razor. What is it? Like, it's okay. Save up. Enjoy it. Listen to this. Listen. 1 Timothy 6. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant and put all their hope in their wealth. Hope's not found there. It's not your security. Which is so uncertain because to put, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us everything, watch this, for our, watch this, Enjoyment. Enjoy it. So yeah, watch this. That's a tough word. But he's the master. And I, if I master the master's possessions, 
you will be blessed. The people around you will be blessed. And God will honor that in your life. So now here's, here's, here's the application, here's the invitation. What are you gonna do? Either take him at his word and test him. Call him a liar and say it's a lie. Say, well, I don't even believe the Bible. Well, then you have other issues. That's other things to work through. If you wanna follow Jesus and you claim to be his disciple and he's the king and he's the Lord and he's the master, then it's time that we start operating that way with everything we have. And if you do, I'm here to tell you, you better hold on because it's an unbelievable ride to be able to honor God, trust him, bless others and help others because of your faithfulness. This is a heart issue. It's not a budget issue, it's not a broke issue. I don't make too much, I make too little. It's a heart. Deal with it. And I'm telling you what, watch the Lord do great things in your life. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head. The biggest thing the Lord wants from you today is your heart to trust him. And for some of you here for the very first time, this is the first time you ever heard something like this. I'm glad you're here, you keep coming back. For some of you need to go home and wrestle and go, I don't, I, Lord, work in my heart, help me. Examine it. But for some of you today, Jesus wants you to give your life to him. Like surrender your life to him, your heart to him. And for you to repent and turn to him and put your faith and trust in him as your Lord and Savior. And so my prayer for you today is that you will give your life to him. Right where you sit, you could say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And Jesus, I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how today, I repent of my sin and put all my faith and trust in you. And if that's you and you pray that just in a moment, your campus pastor or host is gonna come out and they're gonna share with you your next step. We're all about helping people follow Jesus and anything we can help you do that, we are here to serve you. We are here to serve you, to help you in any way we can. Father, thank you for your word. Even when it's tough, even when it kind of goes against our thinking, where are we to go, Lord? You're the king. You're the master. You're our Lord. You gave it all for us. So Father, whatever barrier is holding us back to completely surrender and trust you, we've been learning all the way through this series that we're to supremely love you, we're to completely completely sacrifice, die to ourselves, surrender everything to you. God, whatever barrier in my own heart, for me, in my own heart, in my life, God, reveal that. So I have nothing holding me back from truly following you. In 
thank you in advance, Lord, that when we take you at your word, you're always there. Your presence, you bless us, you help us, you're with us. Because apart from you, we can do nothing. But God, we can do whatever you ask us to do because of your strength. And all of our hope and all of our self is found in you. So God, direct us in all that we do. And we'll give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. For it's your name we ask and we pray. Amen.